Oh my god, I can't believe we're recording. Holy shit. Technology is beautiful. I know. It's incredible. It's never done anything bad. <laughs> I've definitely never had to fuck around with endlessly with my GPU because it was doing weird shit that I didn't understand. And eventually I just sort of gave up and just I don't look at the stats anymore and I'm happier for it. Anytime technologies does something bad, it's in service of something better down the line. You may say that the nuke that got dropped on Japan was bad, but it uh, gave us anime. Is so that how that works? That is how that is the timeline. True. I don't know if and, that I don't know if if this then that nuclear bombs equals anime. I don't know. Have you seen anime? I have seen anime. Well, I'm just saying Seems like that's what I would do if I got a nuke dropped on me personally. I think I'd become very interested in 500-year-old dragon girls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) All right, now that we've scared off all the weeaboos, welcome to our, our premium segment where we actually talk about video games called Video Games Are Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Not we're not we're not certain yet, nor I don't think we will ever be. It's a question that uh science has yet to answer definitively. And I'm still eating my big boy meal. What's your big boy meal? I have fajita seasoned a breaded tilapia and roasted onion. That sounds pretty good. I'm just eating uh a shredded Amazon box for the mayo on. <laughs> the shredded Amazon box dipped in Mountain Dew. And I, you, well, it's marinated. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it softens it up. It tenderizes the the polymers the in the in the wood. It was so funny me walking around the grocery store looking for the Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel can. Oh my and, god! Uh, <laughs> and I couldn't find it. And then yeah. I found a Monster Energy drink that had the same kind of tactical can layout, uh-huh. and then I just got got it for a bit. And you were but like, t- you were so disappointed because <laughs> because it's like, I don't want any boomer juice. I want the gamer fuel. Exactly. Um, so I am a boomer now. I used to. I was a Gen Xer before, mm-hmm. but uh, it <laughs> it transformed me, and the boomer flag was uh, was triggered. And now I'm a now I believe in QAnon. Excellent. I think that that's going to add a lot to our show. We're going to really that's going to really appeal to our core demographic of QAnon gamers who really love our communist video game show. The deep state is responsible for <laughs> Fallout 76. Questions, questions, 76 questions, 76 months, answers will be revealed. I'm trying to think of, of like more to say for the bit, but anytime I like try to look at Q stuff to even make uh-huh. fun of it, it just slides completely off my brain. Like mm. I don't understand how people can can see that and gain any kind of like knowledge <laughs> or pattern from it. I don't think they do. I think that they come into it with their own personal biases and prejudices and then that's sort of like the confirmation bias makes them see what they want to see and like the absolute fucking nonsense that he spouts of course it's true but it, it's just like can't pick something better you know just get your confirmation bias from like normal things like the rest of us yeah 
like the Democrats constantly being giant cowards. Did you see like exactly. Kamala Harris was the was she the one that was like, oh, it's not worth impeaching him. That was Nancy Pelosi. Oh, even better, Queen. Remember the clap, the clapping. Oh, How we all yes. celebrated the clapping. And like, of course, what she means is like, oh, this is gonna be a lot of effort for me, who's mm. really just here to protect the interests of my donors. So very true. I mean, plus there is the point to be made that if we do get rid of Donald Trump, then there is Pence. Uh, which it's interesting to me that we've, uh, as an aside, I, we meant to have this podcast talk exclusively about what games we've been playing, but instead we talked about politics for five minutes. Well, we'll get into the video games, but I, I mean, I agree with you. Pence would be much worse. The only thing, the only mitigating factor is that he's a fan of Garfield. Exactly. <laughs> he has signed that, merch from fucking um no oh, I'm blanking on his name. Jim Jim Davis. Jim Davis. He has signed he has signed merch from Odie. Someone just wrote down Odie <laughs> on a picture of Odie and he's very excited about it. It's it is extremely strange to see that like that stone faced psychopath evidently derive enjoyment from something like intrinsic to my childhood it is honestly unnerving to a degree to like see somebody just like as lizard-like and creepy as mike pence and then just like on his desk as a fucking garfield and friends you know what i mean yeah i think if mike pence became president um things would get the 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 terribleness of the earth would accelerate much faster and I think the reason for that is, of course, because then all the fucking Democrats would then pretend that he was respectable. Oh, yeah, 100%. Nancy Pelosi would just be like, listen, I don't agree with conversion therapy, but the voters of uh, Republican states do, so we're, we're letting the states decide. It's just like, thanks, thanks for your leadership. You know, the Republicans, they want 50,000 volts, and the left, they want zero volts. Uh, so we're going to go... <laughs> Uh, 2,500 volts. No, the compromise would be 40,000 volts. Oh, yeah, you're right, because they, they lean they right. Won't even, they, they won't even go halfway. They'll just be like, listen, we have gotten a 20% reduction in volts, and we're very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, political purists out there just won't stop criticizing us for our, our valiant work in uh, negotiation and compromise with the, the Republicans. Okay, so... Let us trans transition inelegantly. Indeed, to the thing we meant to do. This show is meant to be us catching you up on all of the video games we've been playing recently, which have been a couple good ones and a couple that we disagree on. But l l I'll let uh, I'll let <laughs> well, the ones that Reese has been playing uh, on his own. I'll let him talk about those first, then the ones I've been playing on my own, and then we'll talk about the ones we've been playing together. All right, so I just I got my new PC up and running. Um, mm -hmm. I insurance paid for it, so I, you know, thank you insurance um, for no, you know what? No fuck, fuck insurance. Thank you to the <laughs> computer repair guy who wrote what I needed him to write for insurance to cover my PC. Hell yeah, uh, <laughs> that's class solidarity right there. Um, but yeah, I've, it's, it's been a smorgasbord. I was really like almost, almost paralyzed by my choice. I played a little Hitman 2. I'm going through that, but I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, uh, the first game I'd like to talk about is a game called Moonlighter. 
which is hmm. a pretty good game, but honestly, it's it, what it is. It's like one of those item shop simulator type things, but you go into like a randomized Zelda dungeon, mm-hmm. um, and you go in there and you you sell the things that you that the monsters drop, uh, so you can buy whatever you need and. Honestly, it's it's a classic thing of actually running an item shop, running a business is boring. Um, and that's kind of what I realized is that like the first time you do it, it's like, oh, it's kind of fun to do this. And the second one is just like, listen, I just want to craft a fucking spear to see what it's like to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the combat's pretty good. Like the art is amazing. That's really why you come, come and play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I recommend it if it's on sale um, because the, the, the capitalism simulator aspect of it isn't that much of a barrier. Um, But really the fun part is the combat and kind of the figuring out how to deal with all the monsters and stuff like that. Um, So that's the first game I've been playing. The game that's really... Wait, 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 wait. So let me get this straight. So half of the game is good and half the game is boring tedium. I would say that the good part is maybe more like seventy five percent. Like you're you're spending a lot more time in the in the dungeons than you are selling. Um, mm-hmm. If you, like you like you can just put all your stuff in a box and let uh, your assistant sell it oh. after you after you unlock something, and so that makes it a lot easier to deal with. Okay. But the art is beautiful. It it really is, um, and that's kind of what kept me going. Is I wanted to see what the next enemy looked like. Okay. All right. Next. Next game. Let's keep them moving. Let's keep them snapping. Uh, Evil Within. It it yes. is a game that I I had I had the reputation uh, of being really bad. Right. But I thought I played through it and I thought it was amazing. It's by Shinji Murakami. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm... Yeah. I I'm sorry. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Shinji Mikami. Mm-hmm. You were telling me you were telling me a little bit about the DLC. I don't know if you want to get straight into that or talk about the main game first. Well, I'll talk about the main game a little bit, mm-hmm. um, just because the main game is so different, right? Because the main game is a is a lot more actiony. Um, Shinji Mikami is the kind of the master behind Resident Evil and had a hand in making Resident Evil uh or kind of was like, you know, the brain trust behind Resident Evil 4, which is the best one. Mm. So it's 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 very much in the same vein as Resident Evil 4. Not quite as good, but it has that same horror action survival uh kind of mashup that I think is really compelling. Um like I think unlike I think most Resident Evils, it's actually scary in a lot of parts. There's an invisible enemy um, that is just is kind of like the marquee scary moment for me that just never you there's no way to make it show unless it's attacking you, but you can see the footsteps in the puddles Ooh. so you have to just kind of you kind of just have to like crouch and hide and listen to the footsteps. It's a very kind of sound oriented game uh and I really enjoyed going through uh through it the story i think is you know goofy in that japanese way but it's it's kind that, of you know, it's focused that post nuclear bomb way i mean it's <laughs> i think <laughs> it's in the same way as like resident evil is goofy where you know you 
you have the characters of mm-hmm. Leon and Claire, etc. Um, and they're a little goofy, but you still like get into who they are and what their plights are. Right. Um, and it gets really actiony by the end, um, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think I, I like the more survival horror aspects more. I think that's more interesting. Um, but even when it's mm. actiony, it does interesting stuff. Like there's an enemy later on that has two heads. So headshots no longer work as, as well because you have to headshot both of their heads. And so it manages to like toss up, uh, mix up rather the, the gameplay elements and the DLC. I really enjoy because it's all, it's not all uh, sneaking and uh, and horror and kind of that that survival aspect, but it's mostly that. Mm-hmm. Um, and does a good expansion of the story while still keeping it mysterious. So I really dig Evil Within. Okay. Uh, you also told me that it has a weird foot obsession. Oh my god, it does. <laughs> the not the first DLC, the assignment, like the first time you encounter a zombie. Uh, you play as the the rookie cop lady, right? And she kills a zombie by sticking uh, her high heel through its jaw. Oh boy! And f- from that moment on, there's a lot of kind of like looking at her feet while she's stomping <laughs> on zombie heads. <laughs> the, there's a big uh, monster that hunts you out throughout the entire DLC, and the first time you see her. Um, she's like a, just like a weird, like nurse lady, but instead of a head, she has a lamp. And uh-huh. like the first time you see her, it's, it's like her, like high heel, like red high heels stomping past a vent in a very, I don't know, evocative fashion. And, and the whole game, uh, is just you listening to your own high heel footsteps and then listening to the monsters, high heel footsteps and being like, oh man, those high heels are close. I'm going to get murdered around the corner. Think so of how it's long so it's funny. been since that uh, since that monster took off those shoes. <laughs> uh, that's that's what you're really wondering. That's the subtext. <laughs> that's the mystery at the end of the game. I'm I'm playing through chapter two now, and there's been no foot stuff, unfortunately. Oh but, man, uh, that sucks. When you got like something weird like that, you just like I, I honestly like the games that just lean 120 percent to the weird stuff. I actually bought a uh, DMC, the the previous game in the Devil May Cry series. The, the remake? Yeah, the remake. I bought DMC because I watched that scene with the succubus, and I'm like, this is so stupid. I have to get it. DMC, I kind of love. It is problematic <laughs> in parts uh, in that really stupid video game. But I still think that it's fun to play, and it's just so moronic. Um in that fun way, the the best part about that game, I don't know if you've started yet, but it's just like Bill uh, Bill O'Reilly's like laughing, sobbing <laughs> head is is one of the bosses in the game, and it's oh really one of uh, the most evocative boss fights I've ever experienced. I can't wait! I can't wait to play that and Devil May Cry Five, like both of which are in my library now, but are, are just waiting for me to get through some other stuff in my. My stack, if you will. Yeah, I definitely want to play Devil May Cry 5, but, you know, I have to wait 18 months for the $20 sale or whatever. 
Mm, yeah, my my GPU died, so I had to get a replacement. And one of the benefits of that is I got uh, Devil May Cry Five and the Division Two, which I probably will install when it comes out. <laughs> and <laughs> I am oh my god, I enjoyed the first Division mechanically, but I am just dreading now that I am deeply into leftist politics. I am dreading what the first time experience of that game is going to be like. It just like. Are you ready to just kill, kill poor people, soldier? I'm really uh, have a pretty thick skin for kind of like problematic stuff in media, mm-hmm. but the division one hit my threshold uh, <laughs> where I was just like, I just I feel bad. These people <laughs> want food, and I'm and I'm mad at them because they're bullet sponges. I don't want to play this. <laughs> God. Just, like, not enough food and not enough bullets because everyone takes, like, 16 headshots. Uh, but anyway, you were talking about uh, your game. Let's get, let's get back on track. I, I don't want to reveal too much because I mm-hmm. think it's, it's a game that's cheap uh, in sales. And I think if you like horror games like that, if you were to have been turned off by... Patrick Klepek's negative review. Um, Hell yeah. I'm one of those people who hate One Patrick of those fucking now, NPCs. But- Exactly. The soy boys reviewing video games. They don't know. They don't know anything about them. We're the real gamers here. We enjoyed something, and that makes us right. Exactly. That's <laughs> you get it. Um, check it out. It's got you know. It's goofy. It's goofy as hell, and it has oh. that Resident Evil vibe. Resident um, Evil. Goofy. Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the master of unlocking. <laughs> it's no good, Max. When I took the T virus, I gained my power grow tenfold. <laughs> yep. And now we have to learn how to model so we can uh, change Resident <laughs> Evil 2 to oh the game it was my meant God. to be. Yes, the Resident Evil 2 remaster. We just replaced Mr. X with fucking Goofy. Just stacked <laughs> Goofy. And you just like every step, you just hear a distant. <laughs> just like as you're fucking. Oh my god. Honestly, I, I feel like you... feeties. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Just in the distance. Oh god. Foot fetish goofy in a Resident Evil game is truly a horrifying mental image. Uh to purge our, our minds of that recent thought, what is the next game you've played? The only other game uh that I had that I think I have anything to say about uh that we haven't played together and we'll right. get to is oxygen not included came out of uh it didn't come out of early access but they did a number of patches to just like improve quality of life stuff and i think it's gotten to a really like fun point where i just mm-hmm. don't get fucking obliterated <laughs> by day 50 um it's it's a game that i think you would hate because it's kind of has <laughs> a lot to do with your profession in the sense it's like it's systems oh i thought you were like, gonna say it had women and minorities and i'm like yeah no. you're right <laughs> i fucking hate those um, it, it's a game you're like you have three little dipshits um who get spawned into an asteroid and you have to basically construct a base um that kind of balances the systems there's temperature mm. there's you can there's gases there's uh you know they're hungry they get upset so you have to and you know all of these systems play with each other so you have to you know mine things so you can create a uh this just sounds like living with myself i just get yeah, fucking, exactly 
I get hungry. I get upset. Sometimes I get sleepy. And I have to I have to treat myself like a little baby. And sometimes you uh you piss your pants while uh you're fixing the cold generator and your piss oh, gets into man. the water supply and poisons everybody <laughs> in your base. Well who hasn't had that poisoning. experience before. <laughs> We've all been there, am I right, ladies and gentlemen? Just oh fuck. I'm always pissing my pants when I'm working on my generator. <laughs> Poisoning the water supply. Why does the p- piss poison the water supply? Piss is not. It's because poisonous. they're because they're because the because the dupe is sick, um, and has and thus and and so his fluids get into the uh, or his germs get into the water supply. It's pre- not presented in as in the disgusting way that I'm talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's more comical um, toilet humor. Uh, right. But it's it's you can do you can do things like I make this game sound so terrible, but who gives a fuck? Uh, the your little dipshits have to use the bathroom, and so mm-hmm. you have to create like a waste system for it. Right. And then like as one of the options, if you run out of water, which can definitely happen, is you can try to boil and recycle their piss so they could drink <laughs> it again. Uh, um, the Bear Grylls option. Exactly. I mean, uh, which... I have a, I have an entire YouTube channel dedicated to uh, going through uh, <laughs> options menus on video games and seeing if they have you... the Bear Grylls option the ch- like as a as a list as like one of the options. You're using. Wi-Fi technology to purify it back to water. You're using uh, Wi-Fi technology? Sci-fi technology. Oh, I, I, it cut out there for a second. I was like, I don't Wi-Fi technology. Like, well, well, uh, Wi-Fi yeah, I, technology? I, I'm, I'm pissing into the cloud. Oh, my God. It rains my drink. I, um, I, so, yeah. I filter my urine through my router, and that purifies it. And getting away from the gross stuff, there's it's mm. it's just fun. That that's not really a big part of it. It's you know you figuring out how to mo- use your resources to keep your guys alive. Um, the yeah. the big hurdle for me is that uh, my colonists keep boiling to death because I can't be- wick away the temperature. I can't find an effective way of doing that yet. So mm. I'm, I'm enjoying the challenge. Of constructing my base so it has a minimum heat imprint by kind of like knowing that it's going to be a problem. So I'm sealing all of my heat generating technology into one area and then like quickly researching the insulation technology so that limits that and putting my crops on the other side towards the cooler stuff. There's a lot of kind of like planning like that. Um, And there's a lot of monsters that are roving around the asteroid that you can use to... Do they uh, drink piss too? One of them does. Um, Wow. (laughs) They call it polluted water. um, Oh, okay. which, Which is also found in the asteroid and it drinks polluted water. And you can feed and you can ra- you create a ranch and, you know, have all these things that you feed it coal and it creates oil or you feed it polluted water and it creates carbon dioxide, that kind of thing. So if you need these things, you can implement them into your base. Um, and I don't know. It's uh, I, I put about maybe 100 in- hours into it. I think it's uh, if you like the simulation of creating those kind of systems um it's a fun way of game so those are the three games that i've all right well 
Although, I think that uh, that was a pretty textbook description of the game, outside of lingering on the piss details, which we are the foremost gaming journalists on uh, P Games. I think the piss details are extremely important to know, <laughs> to, I agree. to know about in advance. Exactly. Um, I've been playing, I'd say, uh, slightly less video games i think let me look through my list i think i've only got like two to really talk about um because which, I talk- which one has more piss in it um it's a good question um uh <laughs> probably slay the spire maybe i don't know if the, <laughs> like it, the only reason i say that is that it's got a bunch of different scenarios and i don't know if one of them involves piss so it's la- rather a lack of, of not knowing everything involved in the game. But Slay the Spire is a roguelike game with, centered on card-focused combat. So every turn you go, draw your cards and you have a certain like three energy points to, to uh, spend to cast your little card spells. And it's pretty enjoyable. It's very uh, tactical. You have to build your deck. Every time you defeat an enemy, you get a new card added to it. And it's very much a a matter of balancing your blocks versus your attacks. Uh, And Trying to think of funny things for it. um, I'm sure funny (laughs) things happened in it, but like... It's sort of like just an enjoyable... A way to spend your time and i enjoyed playing it uh i beat it so then i uninstalled it i uh i've been curious about slay the spire i haven't quite pulled the trigger on it yet um but as somebody who really likes card games but is fucking sick of the monetization system in every mm, card game on earth true. it seems like the perfect getting getting down to to that just the system of having those cards and the decks and the fun of doing that stuff seems mm-hmm. really compelling to me um i watched a little bit of other people play it and i do and the tactics of it seems interesting and it seems like there's uh expansive stuff that you can do to even after you beat it you can are there mm-hmm. are there like modifiers and things that you can yes. do to kind of like create more value indeed there are daily challenge modes that you can run uh, you can mod it with googly eyes, which Excellent. I think is probably okay. the best the best mod you can get for it. Now we're talking. Uh, and then you can also once you once you unlock it uh, after playing the daily challenges, you can also do custom maps or or custom scenarios rather, where you can. I'm not sure what is involved in that because I haven't done any of the dailies. Uh, <laughs> I just played like the vanilla game because I'm lame. And I think it sounds that like the most compelling part. It is. It is definitely. It's definitely a very fun challenge. But I think that for me, the urge to like the, the challenge myself to it sort of like ebbed away after I beat it the first time. And now mm-hmm. it's like, well, I mean, I've I beat it with one character. I could beat it with the other two, but I don't know if I really care enough because yeah. It has that sort of roguelike procedural story generation thing where it's like, there really isn't um, a story per se. There might be, but like, you're run to run, you're not getting like any story details or whatever. It's just the same things over and over. And so it is mechanically enjoyable, but I have just so many other games to finish up that I was like, well, 
I, I've had my, my craving for challenge satisfied. I've proven to myself that I can beat a video game. Uh, and uh, that's good enough for me. I Job think done. Too, uh, it sounds to me like we're both in the same boat here too. And like in general with, with video games and stuff like the tactical games like that. Mm-hmm. The most fun part is figuring out how to play that game, at least semi-optimally. Mm. Because and that once you kind of figure out these are the best attacks, this is the best way to build your deck, this is the best way to handle these series of circumstances, the engagement level drops, even <laughs> though those mechanics are still interesting and engaging. Indeed. And we'll get to a game that I think I think the real problem with it is that it doesn't have anything outside of the mechanics for me. Like the art is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mechanics are very enjoyable, but it doesn't have that 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 factor that can draw me in and keep me playing, um, which I would probably say is like an actual story mode or something like that, where, you know, like a, a compelling narrative. And we'll get to a game that does do that <laughs> correctly. But for now, I'll talk Absolutely. about my uh, my other game, I guess. Which is, uh, I've gone back and I'm playing through Battlefield Bad Company 2, talking about, uh, talking about, uh, games that have a slightly questionable ethics, <laughs> a la to the Division 2, where it is very much your, it is very much just like this, uh, action movie, uh, military shooter thing, where it's just like, it's almost like, uh, this is like made way before the whole, uh, kerfuffle with like a Russian interference in the election and the Democrats being like becoming like in like insane conspiracy theorists who all yeah. wanted to nuke Russia. <laughs> uh, and it's sort of weird playing this game where like your main enemy is the Russians, uh, believe it or not. We have one of like three different. <laughs> like one of three different nations that the US loves to pick on for its video games. Yeah, seriously. Um so you know, it was either this or the Chinese or the North Koreans basically. Um but it's it's enjoyable. Like I think one of the things that I've noticed about playing first person shooters is that I really enjoy the mechanics of it. Like while I'm playing it, I'm just like this is fun. I'm enjoying myself running around this big, beautiful playground, uh, shooting Russians. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after I close the game, I'm like, oh, what? What was the story again? I can't remember anything that happened in that game. It's like they're all like these giant set pieces meant to like, I don't know, meant to engage you in the story. But it ends up being just like enjoyable in the moment and absolutely forgettable afterwards. Yeah. I know what you're saying because I played bad company too, and I am struggling to remember (laughs) a single thing about the single player. It's so fucking true. Like every first person shooter I've ever played with the, with a few notable exceptions because I played them ad nauseum. I cannot fucking remember like, what I did in those games, despite like really enjoying them. Well, I think too is that to me it, it really plagues military shooters because mm. I can remember what I did in Half Life, even though mm. I it's been a decade since I played it. 
But I, you know, I played through a bunch of the Call of Duty campaigns recently because it came with uh, the PS3 I got. And I only remember a couple of the set pieces. Like, I remember there's, like, you know, a couple ones from the plane or whatever. I remember uh, some parts with Kevin Spacey. Oh, Advanced my God. Warfare because it's funny that <laughs> Kevin Spacey's in it. Oh, my God. Kevin Spacey's God. in it and also right because he's like, America is the number one problem in the world and we have to take it down. And I'm like, no, I mean, listen, this guy's this guy's a piece of shit, but. Yeah, where's the, the dialogue <laughs> option to agree with him? Like, just taking away my player agency to be like, yeah, let's blow up the U.S.? Yeah, just take out the disc and break it in half to agree with Kevin Spacey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, yeah, like, it's something I've noticed with games like uh, these military shooters. It's it's something that even games that are sort of more interesting and thematically, I would say, I I struggled to remember what I did in them unless I played them, like, a million times, like I said. The only two games I can actually remember shit in is, like, Halo 2... And Call of Duty too, because mm-hmm. I played those games so fucking much that it's just like it's muscle memory at this point, you know? Yeah, for sure. I don't particularly think if I played through that game one time and then had to remember it three months later, I would struggle to remember what the fucking name of the game was. Yeah, I mean the the reality is is that military stuff is uh, exceptionally. I mean, I mean it's engaging in the moment. There's a lot of shiny things to get into, but there, there's not a lot to grasp onto when it comes to the military stuff. Non-military shooters, you know, I can remember the characters or the set pieces because mm. there's something there's something there to grab onto to portray the military in a light that's not going to get you yelled at or to be you know socially acceptable or whatever. Um, you have to present it in a very bland, boring way because it doesn't address the realities of what the military actually does. That's true. It is very, like, it's a fucking shooting gallery with, like, little story additions added to it. You're just going through with your little BB gun shooting all the ducks that pop up. And that duck might be screaming in Russian or Chinese or Korean. But it's all, at the end of the day, it just feels bland because, like, it's basically, it's entertainment that is spoon-fed to you. It's what it feels like. It's just... You just turn your fucking brain off and just go into uh, shooty, shooty, bang, bang mode. And at the end of it, the carnival, the carnival barker is like, you're a good American. Who's a good American? You are. <laughs> but I think the only game that I think actually breaks out of this mold, for me at least, is, uh, you know, multiplayer shooters, obviously, uh, because, mm-hmm. and not just like, arena multiplayer i'm not 100 percent sure about that but like battle royales they and games like arma 3 and i really want to focus on arma 3 here is that those are games that are essentially like uh they are also they're less like um this directed spoon-fed experience and more like toy boxes where you're just sort of thrown in and you and your friends make your own stories. And I've noticed that games that have that mechanical capability of allowing you to like create your own unique and innovative solutions to things, they they're so much more memorable than like 
these games, like any kind of game, no matter how polished and good it is, of these like military shooter single player campaigns with these giant bombastic set pieces, like I remember shit that we did in Arma way more clearly than any of these like Call of Duty games. I agree 100%. Um, even though Arma is a little too finicky for me personally, um, I watched mm. that one video that you did in Arma. Um, and it seemed like, you know, you guys were having a lot of fun. And on the whole, I agree, too, because honestly, your friends are more interesting characters than anything. Um, no, most you can say that. You can say tell. that again. Their characters. All right. Oh, man. That, that goof. <laughs> Those dang goofuses. And they're constantly murdering each other for no reason. It, it definitely adds like a an interesting layer into it because you know you you have the control um and i think exactly. that in most military shooters because i don't think military shooters can't do this but anyone that i can think of doesn't correct i mean it's the difference between riding on the story bus and driving it you know what i mean yeah, one yeah, is sure. you're a passive consumer of the entertainment and the other is you are actively engaged in what is going on and it just it it's so different it just feels like your brain is on if it make that makes sense like it it feels like you memories are you can feel the memories being imprinted upon your brain when this happens whereas like you just feel nothing except for like a mild dopamine drip when you play uh, a shooter to use the original game as, as an example i don't remember the campaign of battlefields uh bad company 2 at all even though i remember liking it quite a bit mm -hmm. but i remember playing the uh pvp with, with all my friends uh in one big living room at the time mm -hmm. and having like a grand old time and i remember all that the one jungle map we would play over and over again and trying to get uh sniping and do all that shit um because that was like you say you know you're in control of the story bus um and i do like stories and games a lot but i think that in in shooters and some things especially that are held back by conventions or whatever um you know that is so much more pronounced all right so those are the two games i played i think this is a good way to segue into this our next game which we played together. <laughs> and I think this is honestly something I wanted to bring up in relation to Battlefield Bad Company 2, mm -hmm. in that uh, when we play, when we're playing Divinity Original Sin, I, I get that same feeling that I described in Armor, where I'm like, uh, holy shit, that worked. <laughs> you know? It's like I'm, the game is telling me stories, but I'm also creating like my own stories in the game. And it, I'm only well, allowed to do that because it's like the, the mechanics are there. Uh, just to give a little bit of context, uh, Divinity Original Sin is mm -hmm. uh, a role, a computer role-playing game that has a the novel feature of being able to play co-op. And so yes. uh, me and Alton has been going through that together. Um, and I agree with everything that you said, that it has that experience of us being able to bounce things off each other and that holy shit that actually worked but we also are still on the story bus while while we're doing it and yeah. it's honestly 
a fucking incredible experience. A couple of clicking bugs aside. <laughs> I mean, you know, that would distract from the, the game feel that you, the good game feel that you'd get in like a, a shooter. You know what I mean? That's not a good game feel, but it also, it also generates its own like memorable events. Things that you're not you're not going to forget about it anytime soon, even though it sucks real bad. Like the time I, I misclicked <laughs> off of an enemy skeleton and my fighter just decided, you know what? I'm going to park my ass up on this bench. That's what I want to <laughs> do right now. The best one is is the one where you accidentally uh, launched the freezing spell directly up in the air and it landed on. No, no, no. That one, I didn't launch it up in the air. I... I used freezing and accidentally clicked on myself. I have a my my rogue character has a spell to freeze people, and I was gonna freeze a, a skeleton so it couldn't attack me, and instead I somehow clicked on myself, and I was real fucking mad. <laughs> the the game uh, definitely has trouble with that, but it's also so funny every time it happens, and I imagine. Like, I can just imagine just, like, these two, two fucking idiots, the, <laughs> this rogue and wizard, and the wizard is just like, sorry, chap, I accidentally shot a fireball right at my own dick. <laughs> and that's something I would totally do if I could shoot fireballs. <laughs> that's true. It's uh, realistic. It's normal people. These aren't, like, heroes. They're just, like, they're just fucking stumbling over their own dicks, uh, which is basically... That happens to us so often in this game, <laughs> where it's just like, okay, it's it's action point based turns, uh, and you can't undo the click once you've done the click, and it has this very helpful feature where it recenters the camera on your character immediately after you do an action and are preparing to do something <laughs> else. So what you end up doing. Instead of hitting that goblin with a sliver of health, like, right in front of you, you decide to take a nice walk over into an electrified puddle and get stunned. It's it great. We love it. <laughs> we love it so much um, when it happens to other people. Because it does happen to, uh, to like, the monsters, too, which is... I, I think that's the joy of victory and the agony of defeat feature very heavily in that sort of dynamic where... Yes, you get dicked over by like this game's systems pretty often, but if you're vindictive enough, you can make it work for you really well. And and the enemies dick themselves over too. It's really funny. Um, you know, the what's one of the interesting elements about the game is that there's different kind of elemental uh like environmental effects. So you can put yeah. fire on the ground or poison on the ground and fire will ignite poison and mm -hmm. the water will uh extinguish fire, but the electricity will stun everybody in the water. That's kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's times when enemies will create massive clouds of poison around each other and then the the moron fire user skeleton will just blow <laughs> them all up. Um Oh. It's 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 a great game, um, and Alton and I are kind of have the division of labor set up where Alton is kind of like the melee team. He's got his control over the fighter, and mm. he's the rogue, and I'm the wizard, and I control the ranger. And it creates kind of like a fun dynamic where we're just you're just like, all right, I'm gonna sneak in, 
and then you know we're gonna tactically set up here it's it's <laughs> awesome it's one of the the only frustrating things i would say about playing this game as like a rogue in that in other games when you see an orc you don't have to fucking worry about missing out on dialogue options if you sneak up to him and cut his head off in this game you do and so it's like there are these moments in the game where we'll be like okay well do we want to just go up and like talk to him first and see if he has anything interesting to say or do we want to like stealth kill them and we miss out on what they have to say which is like you know as as like a completionist it's just like missing out on those vital story nuggets is just like god i i I don't want to i don't want to miss on my story nuggets my story treats but simultaneously if we let him talk then he's gonna summon like five skeletons and just absolutely fucking demolish us well i agree that i want to gobble every treat that's Mm -hmm. always true Indeed. That I think that we've discovered that the the story elements that we get by talking to them, it's it's never anything so earth shattering that we would miss out on if we didn't do it. It's just like a nice extra bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the some of the enemies, not all of them. When you attack them, uh, you still get like the the dialogue tree. Which is a little bit jarring when you fucking stab somebody in the back and you immediately go into dialogue trees. Um, yeah. They're just like, oh, that's stung. Hold you're up. just like, oh, you've wandered into my lair. And I'm just like my elbow deep in with my dagger <laughs> in his ass. <laughs> that's, that's, that's an image. <laughs> yeah. Um, so far we've been talking about like how the mechanics lead to like these scenarios that are uh, wholly unique. It's also the fact that these mechanics of like being able to choose how you solve problems, they really work themselves into the actual gameplay, like the actual story. It's like, it weaves together in a way I, I don't think I've actually seen in a game before where it manages to balance strike this balance between curated story and the player creating their own stories like within that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of kind of movement options and environmental damage and ways to affect things. Like Alton has an ability to teleport other people. Mm -hmm. So he'll just be like, buckle up. I'm going to toss you over there for that. (laughs) Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. And we also have like a, a relic that will teleport us to each other. So mm-hmm. you can kind of incorporate that in our strategy where if Alton has to sneak in too deep, I can warp in with a relic and I'm right there with them. But then, you know, the characters are poorly positioned. There's, there's, there's interesting trade-offs with that. And that combined with a, a fairly deep story. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's oh, yeah. the big-ass computer RPG, you know, tons mm-hmm. of side quests. Yeah, honestly, um, if yeah. I had one complaint, it's that the the story kind of gets real weird real fast. Like, in the first town, you fucking, you know, spoilers for, like, the first section of this game, I guess, but you discover that you are uh, the prophesized mystical hero uh, and get teleported to the place called the End of Time. It's a cool story element. But you're like just getting into the first town. Exactly. Is- like you're just tucking into like this murder mystery that you've been sent there to solve. And then 
and then out of fucking nowhere, plot B hits you in the face full force, and you're in this fucking extra dimensional dungeon. You're just like 20 minutes of the Star Goblin just like spouting exposition at you. And it's a lot. Like, what the fuck is going on, man? And now, and then like you leave and you don't go back there. And we didn't go back there for like another eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's dope, but it, that's, that's definitely the one complaint is that part of it too has to do with the order which we did things if we hadn't gone into that healer's hut or whatever and mm. dealt with that side story could have been a long time before we went into it but i don't know it it's it's early on in the main quest so yeah, it's, it's a little i, I honestly don't with. think i think we would have had to do it uh eventually because you know uh to try to avoid spoilers the character involved with that is sort of integral to the rest of the quest and sort of sets off the yeah. other actions in the in the story so yeah yeah it's not like it's not like you can avoid that part of it so it's like even before you leave the first town you're just getting that face that first blast of uh just really heavy fantasy elements and that first town too is that there's there's almost no combat that we did in it in a in a game that otherwise mm-hmm. combat heavy and there's just so many side quests and not a lot of direction of what what to do, which is good in a lot of ways. It, it feels like a really expansive, yeah. interesting world. But at the same time, you're just like, what the fuck are we doing here? What are we supposed to do? Oh, here's the Star Goblin. I guess they're going to go get a drink while we listen to this motherfucker. <laughs> and it's uh, once we got past that, that, that was real touch and go at that point. Mm. Where I was like, I don't know about this game, but the rest of it has been great. Yeah, there's definitely there's a hump. You got to get over the hump. That first that first town, once you leave it and get into more combat, then you're like, okay, this is dope. I'm enjoying this now. To give like some context as to like how fucking long and like weird this game it takes for this game to like pay off quests. So there's this like ability that you can take, this trait you can take for your character to be able to talk to animals. And it's really dope. Because usually there'll be like a rat scampering around in the dun- in the dungeon that you can ask questions and he'll like give you advice for what's coming up ahead. Sometimes the rat gives you hints and sometimes the rat's like, orcs leave the best breadcrumbs. So Which it's is, a win-win either way. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it fucking rules. It's like such a good element to like that adds so much to this game where in most other games, like the fucking animals are just like, mm, whatever, who cares? They're just like these. They're even more NPCs than the NPCs, but in this game, they're like, they're fully fledged characters. And it's like, if you don't take that trait, you never, ever get that interaction in, like, just, it's not afraid to, like, section off uh, an entire portion of the game from you if you don't, like, get that ability, which I think is very bold. I came across a rooster that warned me of the coming revolution. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's, awesome. It's pretty cool. Um, but one of the quests you get from this cat is so convoluted. And the payoff of it is just so that he can get married to another cat. Um, and it's like, he has like the hots for like this, this cat of like the, the rich uh, mayor. I think his name he is. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the mayor's cat 
and he's got the hots for her, and she's like, well, you know, I actually find him quite charming, but uh, he's very poor, and I won't associate with any poor. They won't be... He won't be able to provide for our young. I need a I need a tomcat of of means, and uh, they say the word pussy way too fucking often <laughs> in <rules>. this quest <laughs> exchange. The cat's name is called in- Unsinkable Sam as well. Mm-hmm. I feel that's important. Yeah, because he used to be a, a cat on a pirate ship before it sank, and then he survived. He was the only survivor. Um, but. Basically, he has a, a jewel-encrusted collar he lost when the his ship sank um, that you have to go and get back for him. And he's just like, oh, it's on some fucking... It probably washed up on the beach somewhere. And uh, this is spoilers for the quest, but we were not fucking expecting this shit. The way you get his fucking collar is you have to fight a giant fucking spider abomination creature. Like this, you you are doing this quest so that he can get busy with another cat. That's why you going into this dungeon and murdering this creature, which has killed literally four dragons. We got that quest maybe hour two. I just checked on Steam. Uh, mm-hmm. We fin- we we quit last time right around that, and that's we're on hour eighteen now. So that's how much yeah. later. Holy this shit! Stuff pays off. Yeah, like. You have like these things that these missions that pay off like so much later. Um, like you start like this quest where you find this like talking severed head and you have to find his body, and that was pretty much resolved in like the same space. It's like, man, it's a it, it's like it's it's really really good, but it's sort of like you got to be in it for the long haul. And I don't think that um, I think one of the things about it is that that's kind of scared me off the first time I played it was the first, the fucking scene with the imp where I'm just like, okay, this is, this is sort of overwhelming. I don't know if I can make it through this. <laughs> and then th- you kind of have to sort of keep up with it. Cause I th- can imagine if we took like a, a three week break or something and came back to it, like we would not remember any of this shit. Absolutely. You know, we would remember all the thing, the funny things that we did, but like, all the different characters and all the different little quests and how they tie together, it probably would lose its impact slightly. Something that helps uh, also with feeling engaged with the story as a multiplayer game is mm-hmm. that it, a lot of different key moments in the story and in side quests too, um, one character can make a decision and the other person can disagree about it. Mm-hmm. And then you basically have a rock, paper, scissors argument based on stats. Right. To see who who can who will win the argument, and we we agree more times than not. But I remember one time there was a debate who should be healed, like a a young dipshit rich person and uh, an old man who mm-hmm. has had most of its life, uh, but was less of a dipshit, and uh, we we disagreed on that and had to and squabbled about it. That's the one I remember most pronounced. And that, oh, and that and makes when it we had to fu- when you fucking killed the legionnaires. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't like how they were talking. Yeah, they were being very rude to us. So, Mister Fucking Fireballs over here is just like, let's fucking kill them. <laughs> the characters like, don't you dare talk to me that way, or I'll burn the tongue out of your head. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much how I went. Um, I'm uh. I felt I was very nice to those drunks. 
and they refused to read my writ that said I was allowed to pass the bridge. Indeed. And then the next, the next people then we meet were just like, huh, it's weird that the people on the bridge didn't hear the sound of battle and come running. <laughs> well, yeah, that is weird. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, they were probably drunk. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, one thing, I, one thing more I wanted to add is that um, your player characters, they're not silent protagonists. They have voices. They talk to each other. And in, in our role-playing session, at least, they are constantly just like just like fucking up bigging each other up like a lot it's like oh my dearest friend you are the very picture of valor and uh, a beauty and grace no my even dearer friend you inspire me ever more with ever passing <laughs> moment thank you for being my source hunter pal you are one of the greatest source hunters of this ve- this generation or any other, and it is my honor to fight alongside you. Just just shit like that all the time, <laughs> and they just sound so like happy with each other. It's it's sort of like I guess in my head canon is that they are they are uh, romantically involved. It's it's hard not to look at it like that. Like yeah, <laughs> they're they're constantly complimenting each other, and it's just especially after like you just slaughter like seven orcs and you're covered with gore. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of explosions have gone off. Uh, all your companions are dead, and you're just like old chum. Your mustache is looking mighty fine today. <laughs> yeah, and I think. One of the things that probably contributes to that is that um, it, I guess the dialogue options they give you for those situations aren't really great because it's either like, oh, oh, my dearest friend and longtime companion, uh, we, we should go on vacation together and spend time away from this brutal uh, uh, land and this <laughs> like, or it's just like, you're a fucking dipshit and I hate you and your face is stupid and you smell it's like those are your two options. It's like so. Of course, we're not going to pick the the second one because it's like why be needlessly antagonistic to each other? But like the the only option that really leaves is just like <laughs> writing sonnets to each other, which honestly is fucking hilarious. So it's it, great. Yeah, it, cre- it creates a really fun dynamic. And sometimes we we do disagree. And I I think the the stark difference, like it it is true that it is not nuanced. But I think it's still fun in a really campy way, even when yeah. we are talking to each other. It's I think it, it works a lot better when it's us talking about a, the story and agreeing or disagreeing about the story. When mm. we're just talking to each other about each other, that's when it gets really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's honestly, I, I can't say it's bad writing because honestly, it's it's so amusing. I think it's great, actually. I think the way they've written it's like they've they've written you out of being a, a fucking coward and just being like, "Hey, man, you're okay," you know, like something really neutral is not, you know, it's like it's what people would probably say, but it's not nearly as funny. One hundred percent. Well, we're running up a, a bit long on this, so I think we'll drop the other games we played for now. But uh, do you I think anything? That's probably for the best. You got anything else to say about Divinity Original Sin before we go and play it? Just uh, on top of the other stuff that we talked about, I think that it's uh, the combat and just the gameplay in general is mm-hmm. pretty well balanced. 
thus far. Like, mm-hmm. I think so long as you, you know kind of how hard the fight's going to be and whether or not the, the levels match of the people you're about to fight. But if they're the same level as you, you can expect the challenge, um, a challenge like consistently throughout. Um, and if they're one level above you, you were probably fucked. If they're one <laughs> level below you, you're probably going to win. Um, and I mm. and I appreciate that, even though as we've grown more powerful, it's managed to yeah. keep pace and to keep it engaging, and it's not just us blasting and dominating. Yeah, the fight with the pirate king really kicked our ass uh, up until the point where we dis- up until the point where we actually started thinking. Um, yeah, like you like actually engaging and using tactics to try and like isolate the pirate king from his little skeleton buddies so that we could wail on him until he died and putting up uh, a smoke screen with a fire which uh, was not intentional we were just meaning to like put fire in the way of like the path so they couldn't follow us but it ended up shielding us from their long-range archers and their spellcasters which is just like when I saw that happen, it just sort of clicked in my brain. I'm like, oh my god, we could have been using this the whole time, and it would have been amazing. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, that's the thing, is, but there's so much to, to, that you can use to interact with the world that sometimes you're, you're, you're just not thinking about the smoke screen when you have poison clouds and explosive arrows and stuff. Um, exactly. So it's, it, it's interesting to be engaged with the tactics of it as you go through. Yeah, it's it's so strange to play a game where it feels like the interactions of these various elements are are extremely important. Um, where, when it's like normally um, when you play a game, you don't you're not really thinking about like this deeper level of strategy or like um, it's much more obvious how to use things. It's not like I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of it makes it feel more real. It makes it feel almost like a uh, a sim- like a simulation yeah yeah it's sort of like breath of how breath of the wild has like all those little elements that go together to try and make it feel more like a living breathing world mhm it just adds an extra level of play to the game that is incredibly fun and that's nothing funny to say about that just um I, we enjoyed a video game for once so sue me we did it reddit we we've become what we hated the most loathsome gamers, gamers enjoying video games enjoying video games with feet in them <laughs> a lot less focus on um feet in this game but you can find smelly panties and wear them oh <laughs> uh, we we didn't need to reveal that <laughs> it gives you plus 1 charisma just like in real life just like in real life, if you steal somebody's used panties and wear... No. No, I'm not saying that out loud. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you. you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, so that's the games we've been playing. We'll be back to update you. Let us know if you enjoy this little premium nugget. Uh, I'll be, probably be up soon. I'm not going to spend too much time editing it. Uh, just so we can get it out there quick for y'all. And we'll probably be doing another episode of, um, what do we fucking call it? Great question. I don't remember. It's the video game magazine one. Um, I'm gonna find it.
I'm gonna He's find, looking for you. I'm gonna, gonna pull up you. on Patreon.com. If Patreon will let me. It's not letting me. Patreon's not loading. Hold up. Patreon is loaded for me. We called it G M E M. Oh, Gamer Mags. Yes, Gamer Mags. <laughs> can't believe we forgot that name. <laughs> well, I mean, we added Z's <laughs> to it to make it more intense and 90s. More I, I mean, extreme. I mean, the, the font is 100% in keeping with the game, <laughs> the magazine we were reading. Yeah, we're going to do another one of those soon. I think that will be really fun. And look forward to our next episode, our regular episode, which we have no idea what it's going to be because uh, um, basically scheduling has fallen through and all the people we wanted to have on the podcast were like, oh, I've, I'm, I've got a busy day well, sucking my dick all day that day. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, okay. I understand. Maybe, maybe we'll cut that part out. Uh, the, <laughs> we do have that. We do have the Matt and Matt episode coming up. Oh yes, I've I've got that set up. I have yet to edit it, but uh, that should also be good. You, uh, I mean, you've you've completed the the Herculean task of <laughs> the NPC episode, which a little insight uh, into our production process was fucking bedlam and has turned out real nice. <laughs> Yeah, it um, it started off at like two hours uh, and twenty minutes, and uh, I cut it down to a, a neat and petite one hour and five minutes or something. That's how much I had to fucking cut that that episode down. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. All right, let's le- read the Patreon names and go to a- go play the game. Okay, here are the pledges. Robert Miles, thank you. Oh, Thank fuck you. me. Overly complicated display names are all that brings me joy in this hell. <laughs> thank you, Conky. Otherwise known as Conky. Nate M., thank you. Higgins the Seagull, thank you very much. We've actually played video games with Higgins the Seagull now. We have played Vermintide 2 with Higgins. It was fun. It was very fun. Thank you, Higgins. Uh, Robert M. Fenner. Tom Thank Devan, you, the video game man. You remembered it, yay! I remembered my little my little mnemonic device for remembering Tom Devan's name. Uh, which, for now, we have to call him Tom Devan, the video game man, or else I'm going to forget it. Alright, Dissonant Dragon, thank you very much. Thank you, Dis. And last, and but not, but certainly not least, except for alphabetical order, is Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Yes. Uh, Jordan of Game Shows. Whose game show is it anyway? Fame? Night. Game show night. Uh, Game shows, and I suppose. It's game shows, I suppose. Anyway, he had Matt Crispin on. That was an interesting episode. Everyone should go check that out. He was also on uh, the struggle session um, where he talked about uh, Firefest. Which yeah, that was I, a, a good episode. I have not listened to it because it's a premium episode. So, um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Struggle Sesh, making me pay money <laughs> to listen to things like we're doing right now. <laughs> uh, Struggle Session actually is pretty dope in that they... if, if Basically, it sounds like they send the episodes to anybody who wants 
if they can't financially meet the obligation. That that is dope. I can financially meet it, but I'm lazy. So, uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll see you again soon. Thank you all. Thank you, Struggle Session. Thank you to the Vampire Castle, which are exiting. We love you. Farewell, dearest companions. May the sauce be with you. Goodbye, my fantastic pals. (laughs) You are truly the most magnificent audience. Bye.